Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Outside podcast. I am your host, Adil Roaster. Chill ride, chill vibes. You know what? F all that. Forget the chill ride. Forget the chill vibes. I am going full, full, one thousand percent angry fan right now. Okay, I am not going to sugarcoat this at all. And I feel like most of you, if not all of you, would appreciate Sixers in an elimination game. They got Toronto at the crib and came out. 100% pure, unadulterated, flat. That's all I can say. 103-88 loss to the Toronto Raptors. They led 2-0 at the start of this game and didn't lead again for the entirety of the game. Again, in South Philly, at the crib, in a game where, you know what? You want to win this game because you don't want to go back to Toronto and they have some. They, they feel like they have some life. Okay, so now that I got that off my chest, let me introduce my guest. Uh, my, my guest, I've been wanting to get on the pod for a while, and I, I wish it was under better circumstances, but you know what? Damn it, this is just how it has to rock. Jazz Kang, he is the, um, he's the proprietor, he's the runner of the podcast network. Jazz, um, how, how are you doing as, as I set my whiskey down for like the fifth time this playoff series? I'm actually wishing I had some whiskey too after having to watch that for the last two and a half hours. That was, it would have been, uh, it would have been way more <laughs> enjoyable. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> no, it was, you know what? After that first quarter, you look at what the team did. They scored 61 points over the second, third, and fourth. Uh, ugly. It was just ugly, God. man. I mean, there's there's nothing else you could really say about it. And and you're looking at that Raptors team that is missing an all-star in Fred Van Fleet, who might be able to come back if there is a game seven. He's still considered day-to-day, only has a strained hip flexor. Scotty Barnes, his ankle, presumably not totally 100%. And you come out and play like this. And, and you know, we kind of talked about this before on the podcast network, myself and, and Jackson and Paul, that, hey, if they lose game five at home, this is going seven thousand percent. Yeah. And now you look at this. I mean, in true Sixer fashion, it couldn't it couldn't be easy. It couldn't be what what Boston did to Brooklyn. And just we could have had a sweep, maybe had a week off, give him beat some time to relax, get his thumb a little bit healed up for for round two. Now you're looking at this and thinking, damn, after seeing what's happened the last two games, how are they going to get this done in game six in Toronto? Jazz. Why can't we have nice things as Sixers fans? <laughs> Why can't we have nice things? Um, the the first quarter, like one thing I did like to start the game, Embiid was jumping in and getting deep post position, and he was going inside, and the Raptors had no answer for that. I. I don't know why they went away from that, but they did. Was it something that you were seeing why they 
decided to stray away from the deep position that Embiid was getting? Like, I don't, why go away from that if it's working so well? Well, I, I don't think, you know, and as I was watching this game, I don't think it was something that the Sixers could have really adjusted to. The Raptors did a good job defensively of basically packing the paint, allowing Philly to shoot as many three-pointers as it wanted to. And you look at once Embiid started catching the ball deep, like you mentioned, he, he had a pretty good first quarter, had 10 points in the first, only finished the game with 20. So that shows you how good of a job the Raptors did at stopping him. But when he was trying to get positioned down low, then they just started taking that away, doubling him as soon as he could, putting a body on him basically as soon as he's uh, getting into the paint and looking to establish p- position. And when they were doing that, again, we saw no adjustments. And I was it was infuriating watching this game where – the Sixers, none of their guys like Harden, who we've seen be really, really slow and not as explosive since he got traded to the Sixers. Right. Tyrese Maxey, none of these guys were able to get a foot in the paint. They were taking shots, pull-up jumpers from outside. Uh, Tobias Harris, as good as he's been this series, not great offensively in this one, just settling for way too many jumpers. And I know they mentioned this during the broadcast. If you look at it, the Raptors had 56 points in the paint compared to 36 for the Sixers. And oh, that was the that. difference in this. Yeah, and I mean, that was the difference for me is on the offensive end, they only gave up 103, which is not much in, in today's NBA. But if you look at offensively, they just couldn't get into the paint, couldn't get any easy looks when Joe was catching it, especially after that first quarter. Nobody else around him was hitting anything. And, you know, you look at the bench production of Dio. Uh, Paul Reed had a, had an and one there at the, at the end of the party. He had a, he had a couple of points, uh, late in that game of FERC hit a, hit a three. Other than that, they basically got like six points from their bench. And you look at what the Raptors did from their bench, where you got a Chua coming up, uh, off the bench that he is young. I mean, they, they were damn near 30. So again, the same problems that we saw with the Sixers throughout the regular season that weren't an issue for the first two games have now or first uh, three games even I'll, I'll give them that one in Toronto even though Joel saved their asses by hitting that shot in overtime if you look at it those same things are still rearing their ugly heads now over the last two when the Sixers after the first half was over they were shooting 35 percent from the field they didn't have mm-hmm. a field goal in the second quarter until like 655 left to go in the quarter like at that point I kind of knew like this game is probably over. Like the fact that they were down less than 10 at the half was, was a, was a damn miracle in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I, and I think that you got that sinking feeling as things started to get out of control. And you look at that, that fourth quarter to a deal where they're down by nine, there's less than five minutes to go. Danny green, you know, proven veteran guy who has hit some shots in the game. He went four nine has two opportunities to bring the team within six Maybe give yourself the shot with three, three and a half minutes left that, hey, you get a couple of stops and you're able to get the ball to Joel and create some offense. You're, it's a one-score game going into the final minute. Of course, what happens, he airballs one, uh, misses the rim badly short on the, on the second one, and that's the game. And, and that, was, that has been the story of the Sixers seasons when it comes to losses specifically is their offense. Like Basically, you're looking at this right now. If Embiid's not scoring 30 and either Harden, Maxi, or Harris hasn't contributed 25, it's very tough for the Sixers to win the game. And we've seen that now for the last couple that when those guys aren't stepping up, you're going to find yourselves in this position. And now all the pressure still is on the Sixers. The Raptors are playing with house money. They were down three, nothing, right? They're down three, nothing. 143 teams in NBA history have been there before. And none of them have, 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 have lost. And so the Raptors, they, to them, whatever they do at this point, it's all gravy. And so I think all the pressure is still on the Sixers to win game six. And if it goes to seven, still the pressure is on Philly to win that game. Real quick, before I get to the points in the paint that I'm going to discuss next, 
if Doc Rivers blows a 3-1 lead and then a 3-0 lead, no yeah. team, no team should ever hire Doc Rivers ever, ever again. Just no. Well, maybe um, the Lakers will take him, right? I mean, I, I saw a story in the LA Times that Bill Plaschke, who comes on uh, Around the Horn with ESPN, he was saying Doc Rivers is the ideal fit. So if that does happen, him. please take him. Yeah, take, take him, him. Move on. Yeah, get the hell out of here. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, just based off covering the team now this season, they'd be happy to see Doc go. And, and you know, even looking bigger picture, we don't have to get too much into this. You see, like, you know, I mentioned what Boston did to Brooklyn, a team that has Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, not much after him, a nice piece of Seth Curry, you know, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, no disrespect to those guys. But those that's what championship teams do, right? They come out, if they have a 3 nothing lead, they come out and they, and they usually finish the squad off. And now you're looking at this, if the Sixers are able to get even get past the Raptors here, which obviously is not a guarantee, it's like, What's their ceiling at this point? And I think yeah. the last few games are, are starting to, again, show the issues that they had in the regular season that clearly not only the coaching staff, but I think the players deserve some um, some of the blame for this Some one. It's yeah, it's easy to look at Doc and say, hey, you know, you didn't do a good job. Again, you look at that at the the bench of who his options are. It doesn't really have much consistency beyond George Niang. Matisse Thibel was terrible in this game. Those I, that, second quarter Matisse. Oh, minutes. Man, man. I mean, you see the you see the three pointers where he's way off. He had a, he had one open look today, tried passing it, ended up getting picked off, resulted in an easy steal for the Raptors. He had an air ball layup, which I don't think I've done since like grade five in elementary school basketball. And you you look at this and you're like, who does he have to go to? Shake Milton, nowhere to be seen tonight. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are out of dock controls and, and in at the same time. But again, if you're the coach of a team that that gives up and we're not there yet, that gives up a three nothing lead. Yeah, naturally, your ass is gone. Now, I don't want to say anything about like heart or hustle or anything like that, because those they're, they're not quantifiable stats. OK, I, I don't I don't deal too much in that. But what I will say is that Toronto had 54 points in the paint and they had six blocks and they won the turnover battle and they won the rebounding battle. And that just speaks to just like, they had all the hustle tonight, just based from those statistics. I can say that the Raptors had way more hustle, way more fight than the Sixers. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, at one point in this game, I believe it was in the, after the first quarter, the Sixers were actually out rebounding the Raptors 16 to seven. And so you look at that, they were out rebounded. Yeah, 37-21 or 33-21 the rest of the way. So the Raptors owned uh, both ends of, of, of the glass. They, they owned the paint, like you mentioned, with, with the points in there, uh, owned the fast break points, outscored this. And that's where the Sixers won those first two games. They were able to get out and run off of misses. They were making a concerted effort to get out on the fast break and try and get some easy buckets against a Raptors team that obviously is very long and athletic. And we just haven't seen the same thing from the Sixers over the past past three games. I mean, again, that, that game three, they didn't play very well, but Joel kind of saved them and, and they were able to pull out that win. But you look at the last two, it, it's been the same kind of story. And I'm, I'm concerned. And, and like you mentioned, you're, you're up to nothing. you got this raucous crowd behind you. Everybody wants to, you know, celebrate the, the fans in the building were awesome tonight in terms of the support, getting loud at the right times and trying to will their team to get a big bucket and again, it was dis just a disappointing effort all around, not only from the coaching staff. I'm not going to pin this all on Doc because the players, especially Harden, Maxi, Tobias slipped off after a good first half. A lot, of the, a lot of the onus of the blame goes on them too. All right, so let's, <laughs> let's, let's move past tonight's game and then take a quick breather, come back after the break, and then we'll try to discuss, like, you know, where do we go from here? So Out of Sight Podcast 
post-game edition. Jazz Kang is on the pod with me. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Once again, it is the Outside Podcast post-game edition. I am your host, Adil Royster. Um, yeah, feeling a little bit more chill after that first little, you know, vent session. But I, I'm not stopping here, okay? I'm, I'm just going to keep going. We're just going to keep this truck moving, okay? Game six, if I'm Doc or anybody in the players, like Joel Embiid comes up as, like, the leader of this team, whatever, what have you. This is my message, and you can add to it if you like. I would love to hear your thoughts, but basically, we got punched in the mouth, okay? This is no longer like Tyson versus any number of dudes that he knocked out in like a round or two. This is now a heavyweight fight, okay? Because Toronto is going to get Fred VanVleet back in game six. I mean, they might. He's day-to-day, but at this point, in Toronto, I need Joel to come out, damaged hand or not, and just establish the same kind of position that he did in the first quarter of this game. I need you to do it for 48 minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that's that's what it's got to be. we got to have Joel score 35, 30, 35 at least to, to will this team to a win. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen Harden be the same guy throughout the regular season, even when he was on the Nets and then when he joined the Sixers after the deadline. And you're looking at that, and do you want to give this guy $260 million over five years if this is the production you're going to be getting? I mean, there's a I lot of questions to be asked. At the time asking. of the trade, I said this at the time of the trade, do you really want to be giving and paying, for example, 37-year-old James Harden, do you really want to be on the hook for $50 million? The way he's playing right now, absolutely effing not. No way. Oh, I'm with you, yeah. And, and I think that's where, again, Harden – top 75 guy of all time, former league MVP. We've seen him be uh, at the top of the mountain in terms of individual accolades in the NBA. Obviously hasn't been that, still doing a great job distributing. I believe he was second in the NBA playoffs in in assists coming into this game, had seven uh, tonight. But looking at this, man, I mean, the message has got to be, look, get this shit done in Toronto. We do not want to go back for game seven. We saw what happened last year where you had an underdog team come in and, and and beat you at, at home when you're the number one seed, there is no way like the Sixers should be pushing all their chips in the middle of the table to get this thing done. And we talked about that after, after game three, that the need was, Hey, Try and finish them off in four because you don't want to mess around with this stuff. Saw an up and down game in in game four where, okay, you know what? Sure, the Raptors came out really hard. They didn't want to fold, didn't want to get swept. So you give them the benefit of the doubt of, of not maybe closing out then. But this game, man, this was a must win. And, and now you're going into, into game six. And it's basically like, look, Joel, 
you have to carry us to victory. And I would have to look at ways to get Tyrese Maxey in better positions to score. When is Maxey at his best? When the game is moving fast. Because the guy's like a mighty mouse. You know what yeah. I mean? He can get up and up and down the court so fast. So what the coaching staff and the players have to do is make an effort to make sure you're getting out on the fast break, trying to get some easy buckets, and let Tyrese create from that position. Because I think we have enough of a sample size now. We're basically at, what, 24? six games of the of the James Harden era in Philly. He's not the same guy offensively. He's not going to put up 35-40 a game again. We just haven't seen that from him. So you're going to need somebody alongside Joel who's going to be able to score 25 or 30 to make sure that the Sixers at least have a chance to win this game in the fourth. And I, I tweeted this earlier in the third quarter uh, when the Raptors started to pull away a little bit. And there was a chance that Philly could maybe get back in this game. And I said, you know what? Look, if James Harden isn't really going to step up and take this game over, then maybe Tyrese should do it. Stagger mm-hmm. it a little bit better. Have Embiid and Maxi and three other shooters out on the floor and just space the hell out of this Raptors team. Because if James isn't going to be 35 a night, James Harden, which again, Game six, it would be nice if we could finally, finally get the damn James Harden game where he goes off for like 42. But I I don't see that happening anytime soon because, like you said, he's just not that player anymore. So, yeah, give it to the young kid. He showed that he could kind of do it in game one. So give him the rock. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think they have to try some different things like the Harden dribble, dribble, dribble at the top of the key isn't working. And, And again, he's doing a good job overall of setting the table for the rest of the players. Like I mentioned, he was at, I think tennis says he'll be below that after this game in terms of his average for the postseason. But you're looking at the fact that Maxi needs to get the ball in his hands in the open court. That's when he's at his best or a quick possession on offense where you basically, as the defense is getting his set up, you hit him on the wing, allow him to do a drive, either baseline or middle hit, take that floater that he hits. We saw that one gorgeous finish he had uh, at the rim in the first half. And oh, so that's man. where you, yeah, you're going to need, you're going to need him to step up and, and, and be the guy next to Joel. Like there's no question about it. And I think that's the frustrating, frustrating part with this Sixers squad. And it has been all season. And again, this is not on the coaching staff or the players it's on management. It's the roster construction of this team where you have a Raptors team that you don't know if, if it's going to be Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet when he's in the lineup or Ananobi or Scotty Barnes, or Gary Trent, these guys are able to score consistently and put up 15 and sometimes go off for 30. Well, we know how good Joel is. He averaged more than 30 for the season, so you're expecting that from him each night. But then who's going to deliver that big game next to him? And I think if the Sixers don't get that from either Harden, Maxi, or Harris, because I'm, I'm confident Joel will bounce back even with the injured thumb in game six, right. I think the Sixers are going to be in a lot of trouble. And just to speak on the roster construction real quick, Maybe Joel was right. Maybe Bradley Beal was the better option. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe. I. But I will say this. If the Sixers blow a 3-0 lead, uh, everybody's, everybody's got a roll. Uh, Doc's got a roll. James probably got a roll, too, because you're not giving that guy 250 over max. No way. No, hell no, you're not giving him that. If this is what you're going to get for $250 million, shoot, you can give me $25. I'll give you more sometimes than what James Harden's giving you on the offensive end. But, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been frustrating. It's been really frustrating to watch. I, I think, you know, again, looking at it situationally, in game three, Raptors came out hard. Again, played, played an overall pretty solid game. And the Sixers weren't 
as good as they were in the first two, but we saw them kind of be able to play, get past that. And again, you're looking after game three, you're thinking this is what championship teams do, right? They, they, they pull it out against a very good Toronto team that isn't easy to beat by any means. And then you wanted to see them either close it out in four. Again, I give the Sixers the benefit of the doubt that the Raptors really played their asses off in that one. But this game to lose, it's not even the fact that they lost because, you know, one team's going to win, one's going to lose. It's the it's way they how lost. they lost. Yeah. And we've seen this many times in, in Sixers history that, you know, it's how the team loses that just pisses everybody off who's watching it because we know how good they can be when they're playing at a, I would even say a mid-level, but when they've been bad, they stink. And, and yeah. you see that 88 points in a, in a, in a closeout game at home when you have an MVP candidate, bona fide MVP candidate on your roster, a former MVP winner, an up-and-comer in Maxi, and regardless of what you think about his salary, a pretty damn quality NBA starter in Tobias Harris, and you're still putting up only 88 points, you want to pull your hair out when you watch a game like that. I will say this, and I'm probably getting way ahead of myself a little bit, but um, let's say the Sixers close this series out. If James Harden is continuing to play the way he is and being distributor James Harden and not scoring James Harden, there is no shot the Sixers beat Miami. No chance. Oh, none, none. Yeah, and like you said, I, again, we have to finish this one off, but seeing how the Heat responded to their Game 3 loss to Atlanta and kicked the crap out of out of the Hawks in Game 4, and yeah, you're going to need... I, I think it's a good matchup for the Sixers. I actually think the Sixers match up better with Miami than they do Milwaukee or Boston, but you're right. If they don't get anything from Harden, like if he's averaging 15 points a game, no chance that they beat a team like like the Heat. So there's a lot at stake in, in game six. And like I said, the Raptors are playing with house money at this point. If they can come out loose and have a good time in front of their in front of their fans in terms of enjoying the moment, enjoying and embracing the fact that they're trying to chase history and become the first team to come back from a 3-0 oh deficit. They're, the pressure's on the Sixers again to get this done in Toronto because if you come back to Philly for game seven, Again, how are the players going to be feeling? Are they going to be able to sleep the night before? What are their nerves going to be like? Tyrese Maxey never been in a situation like this in his young career. Looking at guys like Danny Green. No, but not many players have in NBA history. So, again, if I'm Doc, if I'm Joel Embiid, if I'm Maxey, Harden, Harris, and the rest of the guys, I'm throwing everything I can at the wall to make sure that it sticks and they get a win there in Toronto in, in, in Game 6. This is the final message, and I said this in my spaces and I'm going to quote John Malkovich as Teddy KGB in the movie Rounders. Mm -hmm. This Raptors team, they just keep hanging around, hanging <laughs> yeah. around. This team has alligator blood. Stomp on this team in game six. End this thing, okay? That's it. You had your fun. We're, we're done with you guys now. We're done. We've had enough. That's it. I'm with you. And, and I think that is the, that has to be the message here. You got to go for the jugular right away. I, what I'm looking for in game six, come out strong, start the game, start the game, like dynamite, get, like you were saying earlier, a deal, get the ball to Joel in, in good position down low. Hopefully you're having some players moving. Like they got to get some movement too on offense. Like there was too many possessions today. A lot of where, watching. Yeah. And where they're, they're ball watching the, you know, the, the shot clocks going down to 15, and 14, 13, 12, and you still you can see guys just standing in their spots. No backdoor cuts, no backdoor screens, no movement on the weak side. If that continues, we're coming back to Philly for game seven.
and I will have to go to the state store and get a whole nother bottle of whiskey because after this game, I'm like <laughs> almost out. Uh, Jazz, like I said, wish I could have been talking to you under better circumstances, but you know what? I've been wanting to have you on the pod because, you know, you, you called me out last time that, you were, that we talked on the podcast before. But, you know what? Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll have better circumstances next time if it's a post-game pod or if it's just a regularly scheduled out-of-sight podcast. But uh, always lovely talking to you, my friend. Um, what's, uh, what's coming up on the, down the pipe this week, seeing as how, you know, we have a game six on Thursday. Yeah, we're going to have tons of coverage for that. I mean, I was, anticipating, I was anticipating having a good, nice conversation with you, enjoying the win, talking about, you know, likely playing the Heat unless they collapse against against Miami in round two. Or I, against I wanted, Atlanta, to, have a, I wanted two. to have a couple of day, days off. I wanted to be able to talk about, you know, how funny it was that, you know, the Brooklyn Nets got swept after, you know, dealing hard and getting literally – literally nothing from Ben Simmons in the trade. But no, I can't do that. No, we can't. We, we can't enjoy it. Like you said, Sixers can't have nice diddly. things. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm with you. I don't, I don't think, uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm surprised. I think you can hear it a bit in my voice. I'm kind of pissed off watching the, the outing and just kind of God. how bad the basketball was. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got a live stream coming on uh, on Tuesday. Jackson Frank, Paul Hudrick and I will be doing that. We'll be dropping that pod uh, coming up at some point in the afternoon. Paul's going to be doing his playoff beat on Wednesday, kind of giving you an inside look at the team as he's basically a reporter at Liberty Ballers. And then Thursday, we'll be we'll be ready with some uh, pregame stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll record overnight on, on Wednesday, have that ready to go for Thursday. And yeah, man, we're, we're looking forward to Thursday. Hopefully doing the podcast on Thursday evening under better circumstances. Otherwise, man, we're all going to be sweating out that, that Saturday game seven too. So uh, again, we'll, we'll have you covered at Liberty Ballers. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and we always appreciate a five-star review. Have to throw that in. That's a shameless plug right there. But Company man uh, you are. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, man, yeah, I mean, hopefully next time we do this, it's it, the Sixers are still playing because you usually record earlier oh, in the God. week. So so hopefully next time we do this, uh, we're talking about a Miami Heat series. Why would you put that in the universe? Why would you do that to me? <laughs> Aren't I in enough pain already? I think we all are. I think we all God. are. Deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody wants to see this, but, I mean, we'll. I'm hoping, like I said, I – I'm still pretty confident. I trust in Joel. I do think they'll they'll get it done in six. But man, if they go to that game seven, I, I don't know if I had 50 bucks to put on a fan duel bet. I don't know who I'd go with in that situation. But again, if I'm a betting man, I, I'm still going to try and stick with going to stick with the uh, the Sixers ending this thing in game six in Toronto. I, I kind of feel this same way because I don't, I don't know if Toronto plays out of their minds again like this, like that. I, I feel like this game was one of several aberrations in this series you know uh, starting with the ridiculous Joel Embiid three-pointer to win game three this has just been a series of well okay that happened <laughs> yeah 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 and 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 it's 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 funny I mean we see and again you have all this doc history of giving up 3-1 leads and you know people talked about it that even when they were up three nothing that hey well don't forget doc's the coach of the team so I almost feel bad for him being in this spot, but if I'm hit, if I'm, I blame if, all of you for putting that into the universe, by the yeah, way, I blame but I mean, all I, of I, I didn't, listen, I, I, I didn't touch everybody. It. I didn't touch it. I said, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to say like, bring that up. But I mean, once they got to three, one, then you, got everyone three, is catching now. strays. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now, now we're, now we're stuck in this position where, Oh damn. I mean, could he be the first guy after his, you know, crappy collapses he's had to the <laughs> Clippers? Is he going to be the guy to, to choke again? So, uh, man, this is this was a tough loss. I think you can hear it in our voice and and the frustration and and just with the effort level. But they if 
they, if they take care of business on, on Thursday night, everybody forgets about this and likely it's on to Miami unless the Hawks, you know, pull off a, a miraculous comeback in that series. Always pleasure talking to you once again, Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can get your whole litany of Vox Media Podcasts. Jazz Kang, thank you so much for joining me in this, you know, angry therapy session that we just had. Anytime, homie. Always love chatting with you.